Book Three, Chapter One of Amadis of Gaul. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anna Simon. Amadis of Gaul by Vasco de Lobera. Translated by Robert Southey. Book Three, Chapter One. Here beginneth the third book of Amadis of Gaul, wherein are related the great discords and jealousies which were occasioned in the household and court of King Lisuarte by the evil counsel which Gandandel gave the king, for the sake of injuring Amadis and his kinsmen and friends. Wherefore the king sent to Angriote and his nephew, commanding them to leave his court and his kingdom, and how he sent to defy them, and they returned the defiance. So soon as King Lisuarte knew that Angriote and his nephew were so far healed of their wounds that they could ride, he sent to bid them quit his kingdom, and not enter it again at their peril. Of this those knights complained loudly to Don Grumedan and their other friends, especially Don Brian of Monjaste and Gavate of the Perilous Valley, who said that, since the king had so forgotten their past services, they would give him cause to remember the future. They then struck their tents and departed for the firm island. On the third day of their journey they found Gandesa in chapel, the niece of Brocadan, she who had concealed her lover Sarquilus, where he overheard all the treason, and who had now fled for fear. Great joy had they in finding her, and above all Sarquilus, who loved her truly, and taking her with him, he continued his way. Grumedan and his friends after they had ridden out with the knights of the firm island on their departure, returned to Lisuarte and told him what had passed. He who was already much grieved for the victory of Angriote, not for any regret for the slain, whom he knew to be evil like their parents, but because it was a triumph to Amadis, became now more enraged. Forbearance, said he, is for the most part a profitable thing, but at times it is the cause of great mishap, and so hath it been with me. If I had withdrawn my favour from these knights, they would not have dared say that which they have said, nor have approached my court, nor even entered my dominions. But they shall pay for their folly. I will send and defy them, and Amadis with them, and see whether their pride can save them. King Arban of North Wales, who truly desired the welfare of the king, replied, Sir, you should look well to this before you do as you have said because of the great valour of these knights, and because God hath shown the justice of their cause, else would not Angriote, good knight as he is, have so acquitted himself against two such enemies, nor Sarquilus have so come off from Adamas. The good cause which they maintained gave them the victory, therefore I should think it well that they return to your service, for poor profit is it for a king to war with his subjects when he can avoid it, the blood that is shed, and the wealth that is expended on both sides, is the king's loss, and he gains no honour in victory. From such strife great evils often arise. The neighbouring kings and chiefs who had been before kept in awe take courage and recover more than they had lost, and what is more to be feared, the vassals cease to respect their lord, who should rule them mildly as a good shepherd controls his flock for if he oppresses them more than they can bear it oftentimes chances that where the first broke out the rest follow and when the fold is at last discovered it is difficult to amend it 
Now, sir, is the time to amend what has been done amiss. Amadis is so gentle and so kindly disposed to you that you may lightly recover him and all who follow him. You say well, quoth Lisuarte, but I will not give them that which I have already given to my daughter Leonoretta, and great as his power may be, it is nothing to mine. So say no more, but prepare arms and horses to serve me, and let Kendall of Ganota go to-morrow and defy those of the firm island. In God's name, they all replied, he will appoint what seemed good to him, and we will serve you. You must know that Gandandel and Brocadan, when they saw their sons slain, and that they were undone in this world and in the next, receiving that due reward which such as them escape in our days, for God reserves them either in his mercy that they may repent, or for his justice, that if they continue in sin they may pay for all without redemption. They took their dead sons, and with their wives and household embarked in two vessels with the curses of all who beheld them, and went their way. And this history will not mention them more. But we may reasonably believe that they who have grown old in wickedness will die in it, unless it pleases God, more for his mercy than their deserts, to turn their hearts in time. King Lisuarte, then, having assembled together all the great lords of his court, and the knights of lower degree, complained to them of Amadis and his friends, and besought them to redress his wrongs as he did theirs. They all replied that they would serve him in what he should command. He then called Kendil of Ganota, and bade him to horse, and carry a letter of credence to the firm island, and defy Amadis for me and all those knights with him who will support the cause of Don Galvanes. Tell them to beware of me, for wherever I find them I will destroy their lives and fortune. Don Kendall took his bidding and departed. After some days the king went to one of his towns which, because it was so abundantly furnished with all things pleasant, was called Gracedonia. This removal greatly pleased Oriana, for her time now drew nigh, and this was near Miraflores, so that she thought herself safer there than in any other place. Meantime the knights who escorted Madasima continued their way, till, when they were within two leagues of the firm island, they met with two thousand and three hundred knights who had come out to meet them. Well were they then received, and Amadis courteously welcomed Madasima, and embraced Angriote many times, for Florestan had sent tidings of the battle. While they were thus rejoicing, they saw Don Kendall of Ganota come riding down the mountain. But he, beholding so large a company, and knowing that they had all forsaken the king's service, the tears came into his eyes, for he was a right loyal servant to Lisuarte. Howbeit, he put on the best countenance he could, being a fair knight, and of great valour and discretion, and rode up to them, and asked for Amadis, by whom and by the rest he was honourably welcomed as he deserved to be. Sir, said he, let this letter be read. That being done, Amadis replied, It is your credential, now speak your embassy. Sir Amadis, quoth he, my lord the king hath sent me to defy you and those of your lineage, and those who are here present, and those who mean to attempt the Isle of Mongaza, and he warns you henceforward to defend your lands and possessions and persons, for he will destroy all if he can, and he says you may be excused from seeking adventures in his country, 
for whomsoever of ye he finds there he will slay. Quadragante answered, Don Kendall, you have set your bidding and have therein done right, but for your master who threatens our lives and lands, let these knights reply to him as they think good. For me, tell him that, king as he is, I regard my poor life as much as he can value his mighty one, that in birth I yield nothing to him, being of as royal blood on both sides as himself, and since I must defend myself from him, bid him defend himself from me. But Amadis wished that a milder answer should be returned, and he said, Don Quadragante, sir, let this knight take one answer for you and all. We have heard the embassy, and we will take counsel how to reply. And you, Don Kendall, may tell the king that he will find it difficult to perform what he threatens. Come with us to the firm island, meantime, and try the arch of true lovers, for if you achieve it you will find better favour from your mistress. Sir, quoth Don Kendall, I will go with you if it please, but of my loves you shall know nothing. They then rode thither, but when Kendall beheld the island and its strength and the abundance of all things therein, he knew that not all the force in the world could injure it. So Amadis took him to his home and lodged him honourably, for Don Kendall was of high lineage. The next day the knights assembled and resolved to defy King Lisuarte by a knight called Sadamon, who came in the company of Dragonis and Palomir. These two brethren were sons of Grazugis, king of low Germany, by Saduva, King Perion's sister. And they, and all the other sons of counts and kings who were there, had brought forces there from their father's land, and vessels wherein to pass over to the island of Mongaza. To this Sadamon they gave a letter of credence, signed with all their names, and they said to him, Tell King Lisuarte, since he defies and threatens us, to defend himself. With fair weather we shall go against the island of Mongaza, and if he is the mighty lord he says, we shall soon prove his strength and our own. If he replies aught to this, answer him like a good knight, and if God pleases we will maintain it. Then Amadis spake with his foster-father, Don Gandales, and said, You must go from me to King Lisuarte, and without fear tell him I care little for his defiance, and less for his threats than he believes. Tell him that if I had foreseen how thanklessly he would requite my services, I would not have encountered such dangers for his sake. For that power and dominion wherewith he now menaces me and my friends and kinsmen hath been supported and preserved by the blood of my body. I trust in God this will be all amended, more by my power than his inclination. But say to him that as I want for him the island of Mongaza, he shall not lose it by me. Nor will I ever offend him in any place where the queen shall be, for the honour which she deserves. Tell him this and that, as he desires my enmity, he shall have it, in such sort, that all he now feels shall be forgotten. Don Gandales, said Agraes, strive to see the queen, and kiss her hand for me, and tell her to send me my sister Mabilia, for seeing on what terms we are with the king, she should not remain in his court. At this was Amadis sorely grieved, for rather than see Mabilia separated from Oriana, he would have had his own heart taken from his breast. Yet he could not gainsay, lest the secret of his love should be discovered. The knights departed with Don Kendall of Ganota, 
ten days they rode and then arrived at the court where king lisuarte knowing their errand honourably bade them welcome and having read their letter bade them speak sir sadamon sir quoth gandales will deliver you the bidding of the knights i come with words from amadis to you and from agrias to the queen if it please you that i may see her it pleases me well replied lisuarte and much pleasure will she have in seeing you for you served her daughter oriana well while she abode in your country for which i thank you many thanks quoth gandales and god knows if i should delight to serve you and if it troubles me to do otherwise lisuarte answered i believe you but trouble not yourself for doing that whereto you are bound in the service of him whom you fostered to act otherwise would be to your shame then sadamon delivered the defiance and when he said that the knights expected no peace till he restored the island to don galvanes and madasima the king replied that peace will come late if they wait for it may i never be held a king if i do not break their pride sir quoth sadamon thus far is my embassy what else i may say is of myself i tell you sir that he must be of great prowess and power who can break the pride of those knights and you will find it harder than you imagine don gandales then delivered the bidding of amadis and when he related how amadis would not go against the island of mongaza which he had won for lisuarte nor yet war upon him in any place where the queen should be all present spake of it as being honourably and right loyally done and so the king held it then the king bade the ambassadors disarm themselves and come to table for it was time to take food and he made them sit at a table opposite his own with his nephew giontes and guillon the pensive and other good knights who were placed there in honour of their prowess the king grew cheerful at this meal and he ordered all the knights who were there to prepare for going to the island of mongaza and said that if need were he would himself accompany them when the cloths were removed don grumedan led gandales to the queen who wished to see him whereat oriana and mabilia rejoiced because from him they should have tidings of amadis the queen welcomed him right lovingly and made him sit before her by oriana and asked him if he knew the damsel beside him for he had served her well lady quoth he happy am i to have served her and happy should i be to serve her again or you lady and so would i the king were it not against amadis my lord and my foster-child he bade me kiss your hand for him as for one who is much grieved that he is driven from your service and i do the same for agrias who beseeches you to send him his sister mabilia for as he and don galvanes are no longer in the king's favour it is not meet that she should remain in his house when oriana heard this she was greatly troubled and the tears came for she could not bear it for she loved her in her heart and now at this season knew not what to do if she should be taken away mabilia exclaimed ah how cruel will your father and mother be to me if they separate me from you do not weep cried gandales you shall be taken to your aunt queen elisina of gaul than whom except her before whom we stand there is not a more honourable lady and there shall you see your cousin melicia who greatly desires your coming don gandales quoth brisena i am troubled at what agrias demands and will speak with the king thereon if he takes my counsel the princess shall not be dismissed till she is married as beseems her rank let it be determined soon then said gandales for i cannot tarry 
The queen then sent for Lisuarte, and Oriana, knowing that her remedy was in his will, went to him and fell on her knees and said, Sir, you know what honours I received in the house of the king of Scotland, and how, when you sent for me, they gave me their daughter Mabilia, and to my shame would it be if I did not show my gratitude to her. Moreover, she is my comfort and help in my sickness and sufferings, and now Agrias has sent for her. If you take her from me, you will do me the worst cruelty that ever was inflicted, and for no cause, for she is not yet repaid for the honours I received from her father. Mobilia knelt before him, and held up her hands to beseech him that she might not be taken away, for grief would kill her. And then she clung to Oriana. But Lisuarte, who was of a kind heart and of great discretion, answered, Think not you, my child, Mabilia, because there is discord between your house and mine, that I should forget you, or cease to receive and honour any of your lineage who would choose to serve me. I shall not leave to love one for the sake of another, much less you. You shall not depart till you have been recompensed as you deserve. She would have kissed his hand, but he raised her up, and made her and Oriana sit down, and sate himself between them. He would do ill who should part you, ladies, quoth Don Gandales, and so shall I tell Agrayas, and be he pleased or not, all will think that good which the king does, and ye yourselves desire. Now then I must depart. God be with you, replied Lisuarte. Say to Amadis that in what he says of the island of Mongaza I well understand him. It is for his own profit more than for my honour, and as I understand it, so do I thank him. Henceforth each must do what he can. And then he left the queen's apartment. Don Gandales, said Brisina, do not you attend to the angry words of the king, nor of Amadis, but strive ever, if you can, to reconcile them, as I shall do. Salute Amadis for me, and tell him I thank him for what he said that he would not attack any place where I might be, and beg him to grant my request when I shall make one. So she commended him to God, and prayed that there might be peace between her husband and Amadis, and Gandales took his leave. Then the princesses called him, and Oriana said, Don Gandales, sir, my true friend, greatly am I grieved that I cannot recompense you for the service which you have done me, but the times will not permit me now, nor have I wherewith to repay you, but if it please God, I may one day do what is my duty and desire. This enmity troubles me. They are of such hearts that much evil must follow, unless it please God to remedy it. I trust he will. Salute Amadis for me, and tell him I beseech him to remember all that passed here, and bear with the present, and give way for the future to my father, who still values and loves him. Then said Mobilia, Commend me kindly to my lord and cousin Amadis, and to Agrias, my lord and brother, and to the right good Don Galvanes, my uncle, and tell them to have no concern for me, nor to trouble themselves to separate me from my lady Oriana, for this trouble would be lost, and I would rather die than leave her. And give this letter to Amadis, tell him he will find in it all I have to say, and I believe he will receive great consolation thereby. Gandales then saluted them, and departed, and took his way with Sadamon. As they left the town, they saw a great force which the king had prepared to go against the island of Mongaza, and had now drawn up in their sight, that they might terrify those of the firm island by the report thereof. The chiefs were the good knight King Arban of North Wales, and Gasquillan the Bold, 
son of Madark, the fierce giant of the Dolorous Isle, by a sister of Lancino, king of Sweden. This Gasquilan de Bold was so strong and valiant in his arms that when King Lancino died without an heir, all they of his kingdom held it good to choose him for their king. But when he heard of the war between King Lisuarte and Amadis, he left Sweden to be present in the battle, and to prove himself in combat against Amadis, by command of a lady whom he loved. The which, how it fell out, shall be recorded hereafter. Gandales and Sadamon, nothing afraid at beholding so great a force, rode on till they arrived at the firm island, and having disarmed, went into the fair garden, where Amadis and the knights awaited them, and there delivered they their bidding, and declared all that they had seen, and also the coming of King Gasquilan, because he desired to prove himself against Amadis and the other knights. Gavarte, of the Perilous Valley, said then, "'He will find able masters here to cure his longing sickness, Don Florestan and Don Quadragante. And if they should be otherwhere employed, I will offer to him my body, for pity would it be if he should travel so far in vain.' "'Don Gavarte,' said Damadis, "'if I were longing sick, I would rather forsake all physic and only hope in God than taste your emulsions and electuaries.' "'Nay, sir,' quoth Brian of Moncraste, "'you are not sick like he who comes to seek us, and we ought to remedy him, that he may report in his own land what leeches are to be found for such ailments.' At this they laughed a while, and then Amadis asked if there were any there who knew Gasquilan. Listron of the White Tower answered, "'I know him well,' then told he of what race he came, and how for his valour he was made king.' I once, said he, encountered him in a tourney at Valtiera, and we both fell at the first attaint, horse and man to earth, but the press was so hot that we could not finish our combat. That day the part on which I was was put to the worst, because the knights did not do their duty, and because of the great strength of Gasquilan, who was our mortal enemy, so that the praise was his, and he never fell that day, save only when we encountered. Certes! quoth Amadis, you speak of a great man, who comes like a valiant knight to make his worth known. That is true, answered Don Quadragante, but being free to choose his side, he ought to have taken ours, for we are the fewest. He has chosen right, said Galvanus, for if he has joined the many, they are the weakest, and he could not have proved his prowess unless the worthiest were against him. While they thus communed, the sailors came, and bade them arm and aboard, for the wind was fair. They then joyfully left the garden, and such was the press and clamour of people and of the instruments of the fleet, that scarce could they hear each other. Soon were they armed, and their horses embarked in the brigantines, and all things needful put aboard, and they themselves joyfully embarked. Amadis and Don Bruneo of Bonamar went in a boat among the fleet, and in one vessel they found Don Florestan and Brian of Monjaste, and Don Quadragante and Angriotte of Estravaus, and they went aboard to them, and Amadis embraced them, as if it would be long before he should see them again, and the tears came into his eyes for the exceeding love he bared them, and for the solitude he should feel when they were gone. "'Good sirs,' quoth he, "'I rejoice to see you thus in company.' Quadragante answered, Sir, we have determined to continue thus by sea and by land, unless fortune should separate us. And they then showed him their banner, which was marvellously fair, in which twelve damsels were figured, having white flowers in their hands. Amadis then exhorted them to be cautious, 
and taking leave he went through the fleet from ship to ship with Bruneo and his foster-father Gandales, till the fleet put to sea, and then he and his comrades returned. The ships sailed on, following the vessel wherein Galvanus and Marasima led the way, with clarions and trumpets. The wind was fair, and in seven days they came before daylight before the castle of the boiling lake, which was near the port. Forthwith they armed themselves, and prepared the boats to land, and bridges and planks, and mats of reed to land the horses. All this did they as secretly as they could, because Count Latine and Galdar the Rasquil were in the town with three hundred knights. The watchman saw them, and cried out that they were there. But he knew not how many, for it was yet dark. The Count and Galdar went up to the castle, and they heard the noise and stir, and it seemed as of a great company, and when it was dawn many ships appeared, and Galdar exclaimed, "'Surely this is Don Galvanas and his friends who are come against us. God never save me if they land so lightly as they think.' He then armed his people, and went out to the haven by the town with one part of the force, and Count Latine went with the other to the castle port, where Galvanus and Gryas were, and their company. Gavart of the Perilous Valley went in the front, and Orlandin and Osinan of Burgundy, and Madankil of the Silver Bridge. And at the other port Galdar found Florestan and Quadragante, and Brian of Monjaste, and Angriotte and their companions. Then began a cruel and perilous battle, with lances and arrows and stones, so that many were wounded and slain, and they of the land defended the ports till the hour of tears. But in the bark with Don Florestan there was Enil, the good knight of whom you have heard heretofore, and his cousin Amorantes of Salvatierra, and Coman and Nicoran, were with Don Brian, and with Quadragante, Landin, and Orlan the Brave, and with Angriotte, his brother Gradovoy, and Sarquiles, his nephew. Florestan cried out, Lower the bridge, that we may ride out among them. Angriotte answered, Why would you venture so rashly? If the bridge were down, the water is so deep that the horses could not reach land without swimming. Quadragante said the same, but Brian was of Florestan's opinion, and the bridge was lowered, and they both rode out, and reaching the end of the bridge, they made their horses leap into the water. It was up to the pummel of the saddle, and there the enemies attacked them, laying on heavy and mortal blows. Quadragante and Angriote came out to them, and so did their comrades, but the shore was so steep, and they who defended it so many, that they knew not how to help themselves, and the clamour was so great, and the shout and cries so loud as if the whole world were in an uproar. Dragonis and Palomir were up to their necks in water, catching at the planks of the galleys, and their horses struggling under them, but they pressed on till it was only to their middle, and although they of the island were many and well armed and fought bravely, yet could they not prevent Florestan and his comrades from landing, and presently Dragonis and Palomir and the other knights also. When Galdar saw that the ground was lost, he made his people retreat as well as they could, for he was sore wounded by Florestan and by Don Brian, who had unhorsed him, and so bruised was he that he scarce could sit on the horse whereon his friends had placed him. As he retired towards the town, he saw Count Latine and his troops come flying with all speed, for Don Galvanus and Agrias had won the landing, having played their part like men who fought in their own cause. Now you should know that the Count had imprisoned Don Dacido, son of the old giant, and twenty other men of the town, whom he suspected to be against him, and they were in a prison in the highest part of the castle tower, and men to guard them. But their keepers, when the knights were engaged, went out to see the battle. 
when Daracido observed that they were thus left, he said to his comrades, Help me, and we will escape. How can that be? said they. Break the bolt of this chain which fetters us all. They then took a strong rush-rope, with which their hands and feet were tied every night, and put it through the bolt, and with the great strength of Dandacido and his companions they plucked the bolt out, and loosed themselves, and caught up their keeper's weapons, and went upon the tower, and slew them who expected no such danger. And then they shouted out, To arms! To arms! For Our Lady Marasima! When the townsmen heard them, they rose, and seized the strong towers, and slew all they could lay hands on. Count Latine, seeing this, took shelter in a house by the gate, and Galdar of Rusquil with him, not daring to venture farther, and expecting death. And they of the town, taking courage, ran through the streets, and called to the assailants, and bade them bring their lady Marasima, that they might give her possession of the place. Quadrigante and Angriote rode up to the gate to learn the truth, and having spoken with Dandacido, they took the tidings to Don Galvanes, and presently they all took horse, and brought out Marasima on a white palfrey, she having her fair face uncovered, and wearing a chaplet of gold. As she approached the town, the gates were thrown open, and a hundred of the most honourable men came out to meet her, and kissed her hand, and she said to them, Kiss ye the hand of my lord and husband Don Galvanes, who next to God hath delivered me from death, and hath now recovered from me my natural subjects. If ye love me, take him for your lord. Then they knelt before Don Galvanes, and kissed his hand right humbly, and he courteously received them, and thanked them for their loyalty and love to their good lady Marasima. Dandacido met them at the town, and much was he honoured for what he had done. This done, Imosil of Burgundy said, Now then, let us rid the town of our enemies. Agrayas, whose wrath was kindled, answered, I have sent to scour the streets. The way to rid the town of them is not to leave one of them alive. Sir, quoth Florestan, give not way to anger, which would make you commit that which you would afterwards rather die than have done. You say well, said Guadagante, let them be put in prison. It is better to have the conquered prisoners than dead considering the turns of fortune. Then Angriotte and Gavarte went to take charge of them, and coming to the gate they found Count Latine and Galdar and their people in sad plight, so that they were glad to yield themselves to the gentle mercy of Don Galvanes. Thus was Marasima put in possession of the town and castle to the great joy of her people. But on the following day came tidings that King Arban of North Wales and King Gasquilan had landed with three thousand knights, and sent back their fleet to bring them supplies. Then were they somewhat cast down, knowing the number of their enemies, and seeing how they themselves had been handled. However, they remembered the advice of Amadis, and although some among them would have issued out to battle, they determined to remain till their wounds were healed, and their horses and arms made fit for service. End of Book 3, Chapter 1